Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. Well, welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. And we're joined, as always, by Darren Ball, uh, who's got lots of questions lined up. And, of course, we have two excellent guests today. Yes, it's going to be, uh, I think, a very, very fascinating show. I hope it will be, because we're going to learn today how to overcome fear. And as regular listeners will know, our show, The Spiritual Freedom Show, is based on the Nine Freedoms, this wonderful text that was delivered by a cosmic intelligence whose code name is Mars Sector 6. And it was delivered through someone I'm honored to say was my own personal master. That's Dr. George King, someone I believe to be the greatest medium. I think he's even above medium, actually. We talked about this on the first show. But certainly uh, a unique medium, let's put it that way, in history, in the methods he used and the accuracy with which he brought these communications. And we also have permission from the international directors of the Aetherius Society, to play extracts. So we have two extracts lined up from Mars Sector 6, and both of them are about overcoming fear. So without any more talk from me, let's go straight in to the first extract and listen to what uh, Mars Sector 6 says. And this is taken from the first freedom, which you may remember was is bravery. First freedom will be bravery, said Mars Sector 6. And in this clip, we're going to hear a very, very important statement by Mars Sector 6. A fear is a weapon being now used by the darkest forces to cause you to become their ignorant of pawns. Break away from this fear by delving deep within yourself and discovering the great a dormant of powers which are latent there. Break away from this tight bondage by so enlightening yourselves that this weapon be rendered a useless. So that was our first extract from the first freedom by Mars Sector 6, spoken through Dr. King. And by the way, if you want to know more about the nine freedoms, how they were delivered, what they really are, then do go to www.etherius.org and look up the nine freedoms page. 
And of course, as we've said before, it's available in book form. It's available uh, also in audio form, along with some fantastic lectures by Dr. King. But what we want to do on this show is focus in on these very short statements, which are very profound and yet contain uh, so much meaning and so much to examine. And the first thing that I do want to tell you all, which we haven't really pushed at all uh, yet in the Spiritual Freedom Show, is that each one of these freedoms was introduced by an ascended master by the name of Saint Gu Ling. So uh, prior to the actual text being delivered by Mars Sector 6, there's a short introduction by this ancient Chinese ascended master a very, very important master, actually, very important, I would say, to the Ethereum Society, as it happens, because he visualized the Ethereum Society in the very beginning. Um, but I want to now focus on one statement that St. Guling made before the first freedom, which can easily get missed. Um, I would also add that St. Guling introduced, for those of you who know them, the 12 blessings. So each one of the 12 blessings was also introduced by Saint Guling, and he made a very similar statement uh, early on in the Twelve Blessings too. And this is what he said prior to the first freedom. The freedoms, as with the Twelve Blessings, may not necessarily be delivered in strict order of importance, but in the order which allows certain powers to be radiated at a spe at specific time. So that's important, I think, especially, I believe, in studying the first four freedoms. And it's absolutely relevant to the clip we've just heard, because we heard Mars Sector 6 there saying, break away from this tight bondage, that's the tight bondage of fear, by so enlightening yourself that this weapon be rendered useless. And there you can see he's putting enlightenment prior to bravery, in a sense, and you'll find this with all the first four freedoms, as a matter of fact, because even after you're enlightened, you, the best thing to do is to serve. You still need bravery. Look at the bravery, for example, of the Master Jesus uh, in going to his certain death, in arranging to go to his certain death and having that gruesome death. And likewise, his number one disciple, St. Peter, tremendous bravery by two intelligences way beyond the state of enlightenment on earth. Um, and you find it with love too. So that's a, a thing to bear in mind. I do think as when we come to the later um, freedoms, even though all these things still apply, there is more of a hierarchical or an ascending order in, of, of evolution. But uh, that's a key point there made by uh, St. Guling. And the earlier freedoms, that's bravery, love, service, and enlightenment from a teaching point, may have been possible to give them those in any order. So it'd be possible really for someone who's enlightened to start with that as your first freedom and then go on to the other. Now, we have spoken before about dark forces and I, I want to address this head on because I know, because I've come across it more than once, there are certain people in spiritual movement who don't think one should ever mention dark forces. They think there's something unspiritual about even mentioning the fact that there are dark forces. But of course, we have to face the truth. And I, I actually, I think there's been a change. I think there is now more uh, acknowledgement, not just in the spiritual world, by the way, in the political world and the financial world, 
that there are manipulative dark forces behind the scenes uh, trying to bring about their own goals. And really, if you if you don't sort of acknowledge they're there, uh, then you, you aren't going to get very far in any field, I don't think. Not any very, very important field anyway. Let's put it that way. And it's certainly, I'm sorry to say, very true in spiritual matters. So although we don't want to dwell on it, and certainly not in a negative way, because that can encourage more fear, we want to address it. We want to face it. And in this extract, Mars Sector 6 does so. Uh, and he comes straight out and he says, you know, fear is a, is a weapon now being used by the darkest forces. And uh, that's very, very true. But, of course, we aren't going to tackle them by being frightened of them. Uh, that's what they want. Uh, here's an example. It, it's just a little one. But if, if we're trying to climb a mountain and it, it could be a very difficult climb, uh, we're not going to get very far if we don't recognize the dangers of mountaineering. In fact, it would be extremely dangerous and very foolish, as any mountaineer would tell you, to attempt to do so. You've got to know and you've got to be prepared for all the dangers in that climb. But I think an experienced mountaineer would also tell me and you and those of us who aren't experienced mountaineers that we cannot or we won't be successful if we're ruled by fear. In fact, some people have said the one way they've overcome fear or one of the ways is to climb a mountain. And so it's that balance. It's recognizing the dangers, recognizing the darkness that is there, but at the same time not uh, being fearful of it. And this is where this wonderful little extract gives us a, one of the great keys, because Mars Sector 6 gives us a definite way of breaking away from this fear. And this fear, of course, is cultivated, carefully cultivated uh, through conditioning. Uh, it's cultivated through intimidation of various kinds. And the answer he gives us is this. He tells us to delve deep within ourselves and discover the great dormant powers which are latent there. He says that we can break away from this tight bondage by enlightening ourselves, and that enlightenment will render fear useless. And what wonderful advice that is. Uh, and we can all do this. It's not something we can't do. Uh, and that's one of the things I love about the nine freedoms. They are so enabling, and we're given a way of doing it. Uh, one of the things, of course, or several things we can do, is to do to practice spiritual practices. That will lead us towards the dormant powers within us. Now, the greatest of those dormant powers, uh, which we have spoken of before, is Kundalini. And many, many words have been written about Kundalini. Not all of them true, not all of them safe. Some of them very complicated, very technical. Others really spoken by people who don't, frankly, have a clue what Kundalini is. And you know, they, they, they won't, may not do you much harm, but they certainly won't help you to contact that force. It's a mystic force within us. Uh, I'm a novice. I'm no expert. Um, I haven't, I can't raise this dormant power at will. But fortunately, Dr. George King uh, could. And he learned this through very intensive, disciplined practice of yoga techniques for an average of eight hours a day for 10 years 
in his youth, in his 20s and early 30s, until he could raise Kundalini at will. As a matter of fact, every time he took a transmission, including the nine freedoms, he raised Kundalini at will. And that's why they are so advanced in their content, although they're simply put. Uh, they're also so accurate and so powerful. If you hear the audio, as we, we are able to do on this show, you can get the energy. And please, by the way, when we play these extracts, just for a moment, listen to the words, but also try and tune in to the sound, the energy, which is coming from that voice. But we don't have to wait, though, until we can master this force of Kundalini and the, 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 the what you might call the pranic forces within us, the chakras, uh, which need to be awakened within us as well. We don't have to wait till we can do all that at will. We can start now with spiritual practice, with prayer, wonderful thing. I'm going to be hearing more about that later from one of our guests, with mantra, with deep breathing, and especially through service. And as we do that, an inner strength starts to grow within us. And we also start to get greater protection, which gives us bravery uh, to face head on the truth about the situation in our world and in our lives. We have to face these truths for better or for worse. But also we start to rid ourselves of fear. And then once we've done that, we can really do something about it. And you can't rid yourself of a tight bondage if you don't recognize what is binding you because consciously or unconsciously you're too frightened to look at the situation as it really is. Enlightenment, we're told, gives us the ability to recognize the truth of any situation, but also it gives us the bravery to act wisely and put that situation right. So here's a key to overcoming fear given to us by Mars Sector 6, with a wonderful commentary, should you read the commentary, listen to the lectures of Dr. King, and that is to start to go within, to start to tap the inner powers within us, and yes, uh, they will lead us to the truth. Uh, you know, we may or may not want to share all those truths with everybody we meet, but at least we need to know them ourselves, and then it will also, though, lead to a newfound bravery. So that's a very positive and very, very hopeful uh, message. And on talking of that, I think now's the time to bring in Darren, Darren Ball, who, as always, has been uh, doing a lot for this show, I must say, but also collating and receiving quite a few comments and questions. Have you got quite a few comments and questions for us today, Darren? Hey, Richard, and hey, everybody. Thanks for um, having me on here again. We do. We've. Um, I think the best thing is the, the dialogue that's starting around the show, the emails and comments we're getting from people kind of engaging with some of the content that we've had previously. And um, actually, I thought I'd start with one of those today. Um, we had someone write in about um, the show we did about bravery. Um, and I thought it was uh, an inspired, inspired message from them. They say, bravery must be the first step. If one takes a peek at the lives of the great masters of old, number one, the master Jesus left home at the age of 12 in search of truth. The Lord Buddha left his princely home very early in life to seek for truth. In a book, at, at the feet of a master, I read of a Muslim child who left home against the wishes of his parents in search of truth. So must anyone who wants to search for truth exercise bravery as the first step. I thought, well, Richard, this person definitely got the message on that one. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> and it's so true, isn't it, really? And I think, you know, that we can come 
those are wonderful examples uh, by great intelligences uh, in terms of Jesus and Buddha. Uh, we can also see it, though. I think a lot of people probably listening to this program right now, Darren, you know, there's, there's something where perhaps somebody very close to them, maybe a loved one, maybe a relative, uh, maybe a friend, maybe people at work, uh, really don't like their pursuit of truth. This can happen. This can be, uh, you know, dark forces as well. Uh, not that they're dark forces, but this can be a source of interference. Let's put it that way. I won't necessarily say dark forces, but it can be a source of interference in, in the life. And sometimes we have to be brave. We have to make a stand. I would say always, sooner or later, we have to apply that bravery somewhere in our life if we're going to really take to the spiritual path. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm just turning to that message in the show today. We had another comment here from someone who shared a little bit about their spiritual journey. And I wanted to read it because I thought it really spoke to this idea of not only what you've just said there about bravery, but also delving deep within ourselves. And they uh, they write as follows. I've been on a spiritual journey in my life over the past two years, and I feel there's a greater depth and meaning to our human lives that is currently acknowledged, particularly in Western society. How true. My spiritual journey has given me a more fulfilling perspective on life. Until I embarked on my spiritual journey, my life seemed to be adrift, had no meaning and purpose, but I recognized that inside of me, that's what we're talking about today, yeah. was a yearning for some deeper level of meaning to life. I feel we are so much more than our physical bodies, and there are higher levels of frequency and communication. This is what has drawn me to the Aetherius Society. I strongly feel that there are also other intelligences out there within the universe. But I think, Richard, this um, beginning to open our minds and our hearts to truths like this, I think, is the first step to going within and lighting ourselves and, I, do, um, I do agree. Yeah, go on, Darren, you are going to say, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just what would you say to this person, I suppose? Well, what know. I'd say, I think it's interesting that this person mentions, and by the way, I want to stress here, all these questions and comments that Darren's bringing up, I quite deliberately make a point of not knowing, not seeing, not reading, and you'll bear me out, Darren, before the show. So it's completely <laughs> spontaneous and quite uh, natural, as it were. Um, I, I, w I think it's interesting they've mentioned the Western in the West and so on, although it's, we're not, we have a, a lot of interest in, in, in the East, may I say. We get some great messages from India, for example, don't we, Darren? But, yep. um, you know, it's, it's no longer the thing that you've got to sort of go off into a community in isolation, uh, you know, you you are you could be some people are sort of following this path while being surrounded by others who are not following this path while having to engage in very material activities. Because although, although we say materialism has no place in the show, of course, material life does. We have we all have to live in a material life. We have to deal with it. We have to operate it in a practical, successful way, but for spiritual reasons. So I, 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 but I've come across Darren quite a few people over the years in, in, in running workshops and events and radio shows and so on elsewhere, mm -hmm. you know, from people who have told me that, you know, they, they have a good life, they, they, you know, everything sort of hits the spot, they're, 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 they're successful, they've got the things they thought they wanted, but once they get right. them, they're not satisfied. And I think that's healthy, by the way. I think that means that they are listening to this inner yearning, this these, this inner conscience, if you want to use that word. And they'll only really, I think that sort of person, someone, and ultimately everyone, I suppose, will only be fully satisfied when they, when they listen to the spiritual inclination within them. But you don't have to sort of break away from everything and everyone to do that. 
there is a spiritual community. I mean, for example, our online services, um, you know, which we're holding, you've got people all over the world there, maybe alone in Jamaica joining in or in some other country, the Philippines, wherever it might be. But still, there's this kind of international online community right. of a kind. And so there are others of like mind. And this the, the person's right. There are other people on other realms, for sure, higher intelligences urging us uh, towards this spiritual line because they know they've discovered they've passed on and they've realized that uh, that's the only thing in the end that really really matters absolutely and i think we're, we're all on that journey too if we haven't realized it yet we will realize it in the future no doubt yeah so have you got any more for us or should we go to our first guest uh, well i thought i'd just share before you go on that um you know, I encourage everybody listening to write in to Spiritual Freedom at Richard Lawrence Dakota UK um, with any questions or comments just like these that we'd love to share them on the show, um, thoughts you have on the teachings or even experience that you've had. And uh, finally, also to check out Richard's website, by the way, that's Richard Lawrence Dakota UK for other shows around the world that he's appeared on recently. I think back over to you, Richard. Yeah, thanks, Darren. And yes, and do tell us your stories. By the way, do tell us your moments of truth. Uh, you know, do write in and, and we, we, it'd be nice to share some of those as well. Uh, but anyway, I'm very pleased to say we're going to hear a moment of truth now from a guest uh, who I have the pleasure to know, and uh, uh, she's a good friend of mine, and she's uh, a volunteer staff member of the Ethereum Society. She's had quite a journey, you know. I think I first met her in Michigan, which I believe was her hometown, and then she travelled to New Zealand, and then now she's in London, and I believe quite soon she's going to be in Los Angeles, but all with her husband. Uh, to work in spiritual ways. She's a digital team manager for a UK construction business, but devotes the vast majority of her free time to spiritual work. She's been around the Ethereum Society for at least, I would say, over 10 years. And she uh, is going to share some of her memorable moments from her spiritual journey. So welcome to the show, Lisa Rosser. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me on the show, Richard. It's really great to be here. And, of course, people have heard your voice before, Lisa, because you introduce yes. us every week. Yes. <laughs> um, it was funny. When, when I was asked to give my moment of truth, I responded, okay, but I don't think I have one. And I would say that I don't have one moment of truth where the clouds parted and everything came to me. It was more a series of subtle, though significant, moments that have led me on my path. I didn't grow up in a religious home. I didn't go to church regularly, although when I was old enough to drive, I did quite like attending church and going on my own. I liked the coming together, the growing a relationship with God. I eventually found a really lovely Franciscan monastery in Detroit, which is a bit funny. Uh, it's a really bad part of Detroit, and mm. it's this lovely monastery. That it's a church. It's a healing center, it's a soup kitchen, and it's very peaceful, and it's very beautiful and lovely, lovely people. And after some time attending the church there, I decided to convert. I really felt that I had found my place. It felt very comfortable. It felt very familiar. So in my mid-20s, I converted to Catholicism, and you have to take classes to convert. And so I attended these for several months. And at the time, I thought, well, I don't understand everything. I have questions. But 
these answers to these questions will come in time. You know, you don't know everything after a couple months. Um, but shortly after I converted, I did realize that for me, there were questions that this particular church couldn't provide answers for. And I also had some beliefs that I couldn't reconcile. So, for example, I believed in reincarnation, and obviously that particular church doesn't. So I started to kind of look elsewhere. I looked at Eastern religions and some more mainstream spirituality, which eventually brought me to the Michigan branch of the Etheric Society. And you're right, Richard, in October, I think 2011, you came to the Michigan branch and mm. you did a talk on the nine freedoms, which is really topical mm. for this show today. I remember, yeah. But it was just absolutely fascinating to me. I mean, a big topic for a single evening, obviously. I think you mentioned that normally it's done over a weekend, but I, I was just, it was just amazing to me, this nine freedoms. So if it wasn't that night, it was shortly thereafter I bought the nine freedoms. And I remember reading the introduction. I just, Nothing I had ever read made more sense than mm -hmm. than that introduction to me. I, I had a lot of difficulty putting the book down, actually. I knew it was truth. So instead of feeling that this was true, I knew it. And mm -hmm. it was much deeper than that comfort feeling that I had previously. It was kind of knowing I was becoming more aware of great teachings and gaining an understanding, although a very minimal understanding, I'm sure, of my next steps. And it was just a realization for me that the truth is not always comfortable. It's challenging. It takes effort. It takes bravery, as, as you're talking about today. Mm -hmm. And so comfort should not necessarily be a sign that you're doing the right thing. And I think I'm still learning. I certainly have a long way to go on my path. But I feel with the nine freedoms and other teachings, at least now I, I feel I know the steps that I need to take. Gosh, that's that's a fa fascinating and actually has a really rings true to me that Lisa because you know I had a, maybe a similar type of thing. I went to a, a school over here in England which is very much connected to the church is in Canterbury, and I was you know a part of the. The, the Canterbury Cathedral in a way there and you know it would have been for me with my upbringing my parents being in the Church of England and and my father actually became a synod you know non 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 uh, ordained synod member later in his local area um, you know it would have been such an easy and thing just to stay in that church but like you it mm. did not for me anyway and we don't criticize other organizations but it didn't answer the questions I was looking for and so sometimes you do need bravery and you've got to move away from a comfort zone even to find truth yes yes exactly which is exactly what you did because it probably would have been easier for you maybe to stay at that lovely benedictine place with very nice people and all the rest of it <laughs> but you were on the search so that's fantastic and i think that'll give people listening a lot of heart and and, and the great thing is it's out there i mean you know we find it in the nine freedoms uh, and it's there for people who are searching. Uh, and, you know, you've, people can find what they regard as the greatest truth available to them. So fantastic, Lisa. Thank you very much for sharing your moment of truth with us. Well, thank you for having me. 
That's Lisa Rosser. And yeah, I, I can certainly think there's a lesson there really tied up to what we're talking about today, actually, that you do need a certain bravery uh, to find the truth. I mean, there is one thing about truths like these. It's, it's very unlikely. It's not impossible, but it's unlikely that you'll be raised, or certainly it's unlikely you'll be taught in school, uh, some of these kinds of teachings. So it's going to require you, in a way, to, to break away from a, a certain conditioned environment. It's, I've always found it very odd that people tend to choose the religion of their upbringing because there's no particular reason why the religion of their upbringing would be more likely to be true than of anything else. So it, what that tells me is that they may not, I won't be dogmatic here, but they may not have engaged in a real search for truth. They just accepted whatever religion it is that they grew up with and, and settled for it. Uh, but I would say don't settle for it necessarily. You you examine and do the same with us, by the way. Uh, I've said many times, and Dr. King said himself, you know, don't take his word for it. Don't take any of our words for it. You go out, you form your own conclusions and see what you uh, conclusions you come to, which does actually lead us quite well into uh, the next excerpt, which because we're still looking at ways to overcome fear. And in this excerpt, also taken from the first freedom, which was delivered on February the 12th, 1961. So we're talking over 60 years ago now, just. Uh, we are going to find another absolute key given to us by Mars X6 about how we can overcome fear. So could we have the second extract, please? Study of fear for what it is. Study it coldly without emotion. You will discover that it is but a state of mind, a state of mind which you have formulated a form yourselves. This a state of mind is the result of karma, environment, and present outlook. That may sound to you to be quite straightforward, almost obvious in a way, but there is far, far more, I would suggest, to that statement than there may appear to be at first sight, because I think it's a very subtle one. I think Mars Sector 6 is telling us how to deal with fear. So we've got to the point where we've recognized the fear uh, that we talked about earlier. And, and what kind of frame of mind to adopt, to, to look at it, to examine it, to study it coldly, he says, without emotion. In the very process, though, and this is why I think it's quite a subtle statement, of adopting that state, just even trying to adopt that state, you are grappling with fear. You are dealing with fear just in 
putting yourself into a frame of mind where you can study it coldly without emotion because it strips fear of its power. Fear depends on emotion of one kind or another to thrive. Without it, it becomes a cold thing and it might be absolutely clear it's just an empty threat. Sometimes you'll look at it, you'll study it coldly, the thing that's really you're frightened of, and you'll think, my God, it's nothing. It's, it's almost a bit like, you know, uh, a bully at school who's, who you think is very frightening or people might think is frightening until suddenly, you know, they're, they're called out and maybe called out by someone who, who's stronger than them or even just more willing to take them on. And suddenly they don't look like much at all. Sometimes they can run away in a certain scenario and it all falls away. And fear can be like that, too. Uh, it, it, it can become just an empty threat instead of a fear. Or you can, as we, as I said earlier, see what about it is true, like the mountaineer, yeah, you've got to be very careful on that slope, you've got to use ropes there, you've got to do this, that and the other, but the fear is gone. It, it, it's, a, it's a cold examination. And in the process, says Mars Sector 6, you become aware of your state of mind. You become aware of the state of mind which has led to this fear. And as Mars Sector 6 says, it's a state of mind we have formulated for ourselves. And by the way, I would, I would extrapolate from that um, that that might be a, a sort of generic thing, we humanity, or it might be a personal thing. These fears kind of exist, and it might be a result of all kinds of things, of course. Uh, including conditioning, upbringing, um, etc. We'll go into that in a moment. But what it does bring up is a very important concept. And in the East, this concept in Eastern teachings in Sanskrit is known as samskara. And a samskara is, uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with this, is a mental impression which recurs to you. So, it could have even been formulated, as, as Mars Sector 6 puts it, in a previous life, this fear. And it comes back with all the trappings in a future life, and you, you really don't know why it is that it's so fearful to you. You might have experienced that. I mean, there are all sorts of fears that people have that are quite irrational. Um, you know, they, they aren't able to study it coldly without emotion, and, you know, we could we could... Uh, reel them off. It's not to diminish them in any way, uh, but you can, you know, some people will argue that, you know, you're less likely to die in a flying accident than you are to cross a road or something. I have, That may or may not be true. I haven't checked that point. But, um, you know, there are people, nevertheless, despite all of what you say, uh, who have a fear of flying. I, I know people uh, like that. You have people who have got a fear of, I know, spiders, which aren't actually harmful. There's all kinds of fears that exist. And it's all connected to a state of mind. Um, and this state of mind in Eastern teachings would be called a samskara, a mental impression, which recurs through life and even through lives until you achieve a detachment from it. That would be the Eastern view of it. I think in, in today's world, we might look upon it as transmuting rather than detaching. For example, with the spider thing, it might be that you died of, of a spider tarantula bite in a former life. 
Um, and now, every time you see a spider, you have a fear. Uh, who can say? But one way or another, a samskara, a state of mind, has been built up. And it can be about something very... It can be about relationships. It can be about finance. It can be about a whole range of things. And the samskara, I often think of a samskara as a bit like a tape loop, something that recurs and it comes back and it comes back again in another way. You might have found that in your life. You might have found it in relationships. You reach a certain point and then something happens and then you start another kind of relationship and the same point arrives there. Sooner or later, though, one has to deal with that and one has to transmute that and one has to break away uh, from the samskara that's coming back. And it has a sort of mental baggage in the form of preconceived thought patterns, which include emotions. And Mars Sector 6 is telling us here to examine the state of mind or the samskara connected to fear and strip them away through cold, unemotional analysis till we can see exactly what it is. Now, there may be elements of truth contained within it. For example, if you have a fear of poverty and the insecurity it brings, there may be some genuine financial issues in your life which you do have to deal with, but fear isn't going to help you to deal with them. But on the other hand, I want to tell you, I have met uh, at least one extremely wealthy person, someone who uh, had all sorts of assets, several properties, uh, many other things, uh, homes, um, you know, I could, I could list it off, but I won't. But this p- person was, had a fear of, of, of not having money. It sounds extraordinary. It sounds very, very odd. And I've heard about this before. In, in super rich people, some of them can absolutely be scared stiff of losing money. You wouldn't think so, but they can be. And it's because it's a kind of delusional state of mind. They're not like the poor person who genuinely, it's an issue for them, a, a real genuine issue. And then fear can come in and you've got to try and strip away the fear and try and deal with the problem as best you can. But sometimes it's got no basis in truth whatsoever and you've just got to strip away the fear and you'll see it's just a, an empty shell of, of, a, of an issue. And in fact, if the person probably could get rid of it by being uh, more generous, maybe. That might help them to strip themselves away from fear, which can be uh, connected to greed. You can have a person in a relationship who is constantly fearful, we hear about this, that their partner might leave them. And there may be no likelihood whatsoever of this. They start to imagine uh, they're, they're sort of not faithful to them when they probably are. Uh, let's just say they are for this example, but their possessiveness and so on leads them into a sort of a fear. And in the end, this can be a destroyer of relationships. So this cold, unemotional study of the state of mind will reveal the truth. And then Mars Sector 6 gives us this very uh, helpful key. He says it's composed of three things, karma, environment and outlook karma environment and present outlook and the wonderful thing about all of those three things is that we can change them by our right thought and action by service we can change karma by serving others we don't have to wait till karma catches up with us inverted commas we can do something about it now we can change it we can change our environment We can change it physically, we can change it mentally, we can change it spiritually, and of course, 
We can change our present outlook by positive thinking, spiritual practices, service, and so on. So all these things are within our, our hands to change. And so we've been given two fantastic keys today to overcome fear, to, to, to call upon the dormant powers within us, to connect with those, and to coldly, unemotionally study the state of mind that uh, is bringing this fear. And how good is that? We've been given by Mars Sector 6, speaking through Dr. King, a virtual blueprint for transmuting fear. So that leads us to the end of our study period of the nine freedoms for this week. But it doesn't lead us at all to the end of our show because I'm delighted to say we have a guest in the wing, someone I know extremely well, very close friend of mine, Mark Bennett. I've known him for almost, I don't know, it's got to be over 20 years. It could even be approaching 25 years. Mark's the youngest international director of the Ethereum Society. And he's the co-author, I'm very pleased to say, of two books with myself. He wrote uh, with me, God's Guides and Guardian Angels, and the book Prayer Energy, which has uh, appeared in uh, several languages. And today, uh, actually, I say several, I've got to be accurate. I'll say three, actually, isn't it? It's uh, I think it's Japanese, French, and English. But today, he's going to take some inspiration from Prayer Energy. He's going to lead us in a practice. And I'm delighted to welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show, Mark Bennett. Great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me and talking about this wonderful subject of prayer, which I think is uh, intimately linked to the subject of bravery and how we overcome fear. Um, it, I, I think that um, we're talking about fear, or rather Mars Sector 6 was talking about fear as a state of mind. Uh, and I think that's very interesting because I think our state of mind is often rather underestimated in, in spiritual uh, circles in the sense that we, we might think about morality and you know, not having evil thoughts, uh, not having selfish thoughts, not being materialistic of mind. But I think it's very seldom, uh, or too seldom at least, that people actually think about the value of clarity of mind. Uh, so this is just thinking clearly. And if we think about those words of Mars Sector 6 about how to overcome fear. Clarity is a huge element of that. If we're studying something coldly without emotion, what are we really doing? We're seeking clarity. And uh, I'm pleased to say that there is a, a little chapter in the book, Prayer Energy, where it links clarity and prayer and outlines how uh, prayer can be used as a tool to attain that clarity. But of course, you know, as always with prayer, it's no good just saying a prayer because we think we ought to, uh, or, or just paying lip service to it. We've got to really mean it. We've got to really want it. So in that spirit, I think it behoves us to think about just how great clarity really is, and just how powerful it can be in every aspect of our lives. Uh, but one aspect in particular I'd like to focus on is that um, I'd venture to say that if we really love truth, we have to love clarity. Because truth is absolutely precise. Truth is. 
Truth is not a muddled, confused, vague thing. Truth is absolutely real. And therefore, to perceive truth, to love truth, to respect truth, we have to have uh, this um, purity of mind, this clarity of mind, this mental faculty of being able to think logically, being able to correctly identify and interpret our intuition, and correctly processing what we perceive through the senses. So in in that spirit, I'd like to um, lead us in a prayer to this end. And just before that, to add in that obviously clarity is a wonderful thing um, in our own lives, but it's also a great, I want to say a great, I'd say an essential aspect of helping others. You cannot, for example, give spiritual teaching unless you understand spiritual teaching yourself. Uh, As Dr. George King often quoted, um, the greatest gift that one man can give another is wisdom. And you can't pass wisdom on unless you have at least some degree of wisdom yourself. And that's something, of course, that he was so uh, outstandingly brilliant at, is being so clear about things that would otherwise seem very arcane. He brought it right down to earth. How did he bring it right down to earth? Because he was so clear in his own mind about what uh, these things really meant. So now let's, um, let's sit with the, uh, the palms face downwards on the knees, the back straight, breathing deeply and evenly. So we focus the mind on the divine spark within, and on the potential for clarity through prayer to begin to free us from fear. Now let's raise the hands as we do uh, in King Yoga, the palms facing forwards in front of us to uh, allow the energy to flow forth unimpeded. And let's visualize a white light flowing down from above the top of the head, filling the brain, down through the neck, the shoulders, the chest, the arms, out into the palms, where there are chakras or psychic centers to release this power, and out into the heart center, the heart chakra, a few inches in front of the physical breastbone, in front of the physical body. Let's see this energy flowing through us now from the universal supply, from God, from Brahma, from Jehovah, however we wish to perceive it. Let's visualize this energy flowing through us. Let's relax into this while remaining alert. Now let's focus on clarity. Almighty Brahma, We place ourselves before you now in humility, requesting for the beauty of your clarity to pervade every aspect of our minds, that we may have a greater perception of thy infinite glory 
that we may better appreciate the greatness and the allness of everlasting divinity, that we may better understand and solve the problems in our own lives, that we may rise upwards in the light, that we may be open to the inspiration of our higher selves, and that this wondrous light of truth may shine away the darkness of the shadows of our lower minds, that we may rise upwards in enlightenment and in everlasting service to all. O wondrous God, we pray for clarity as we throw ourselves at the shrine of truth, we now resolve to turn away from the indulgence of confusion and to focus our minds in discipline, in love, in service, and in bravery, that we may spread thy holy word unimpeded to all who are open to thy wondrous wisdom. O mighty Brahma, may thy will be done. Now we close the prayer by uh, performing what we call the sealing mudra, uh, brushing the right palm over the left, away from us uh, just once, which helps us detach psychologically and also psychically to seal off the energy flow. So thank you very much, Richard. That's all from me. That was fantastic, Mark. Thank you so much. What a powerful prayer. I think everyone listening will have experienced that. And what a very, very important lesson, and one which is completely in tune, as it happens, with the, the show today, the words of Mars Sector 6. Uh, I would agree absolutely with Mark there that Dr. George King is one of the clearest, the most lucid um, analyzers, logical logicians, if you like, of truth uh, I've ever encountered, probably the most. Um, I, the only hesitation I have is because Mars Sector 6 himself, of course, or, or itself, uh, is uh, incredibly clear um, with uh, real precision. He'll, he'll use three words rather than 20, if possible, to make his points, uh, as you'll find as you study the nine freedoms. So you have tremendous clarity both from uh, Mars Sector 6, and from Dr. King in this in this teaching. I used to look to um, some of the old yoga teachers, uh, one, a very ancient one, Patanjali, or some pronounce it Patanjali, um, with his aphorisms. Again, very clear, breaks things down very simply. And one of my early heroes, Swami Vivekananda, which literally means, I believe, dis bliss through discrimination. Another real analyzer of truth, but for me, as I say, nothing comes close to Dr. King and those who communicate through him. I would say especially, actually, Mars Sector 6. So this brings us now, uh, I think, with a little bit of time, Darren, if you're still there, for one or two more questions, if you have any. 
Sure. Well, I just while I've got the mic, I just thought I'd say, first of all, thanks to everybody who's been tuning in weekly to the show. I know I speak for you, Richard, and myself there. And um, if anyone, if you have been tuning in, I'd love to invite you to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app, whichever one that is, to help us get the word out about these teachings of Mars Sector 6. So, Richard, I've got one here. Um, I thought this was a very searching question, exactly the kind of inquiry that we're trying to encourage with this show. Mm-hmm. And this person writes... Respected, respected sir. I think that must be you, not me. Might be. I want a very polite person. So yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know about my true self, which is I have heard separate from this body, mind, and intellect. What is my true nature? Mm. Gosh, that could be the subject of uh, many, many, many shows. But it's mm. a very, very important question. Uh, the true self, the real self, uh, is spirit uh, is not even limited to body not even limited to matter not even limited to mind uh, we'll be getting on us later on in a future show to the to the fifth freedom which is cosmic consciousness and when we do we'll be examining this in more depth moving to something which is even beyond our own mind beyond our own personality beyond our own gender beyond our own race uh, completely unlimited um, and that's where we start, only start, to make real contact, we are told, because I haven't achieved this myself, again, Dr. King did achieve this, with our true self. Uh, and so you have an aphorism such as, I am divine spirit. And if you say a, a, um, a, you know, a statement like that, um, or I should say an affirmation more than an aphorism, really, uh, you will start to make a connection with your true self. Uh, But at the same time, you're also aware uh, of your, as you might call it, lower self, your uh, lower aspects of your being, which are more limited and more tied to personality and all the things I mentioned. But to answer your question exactly, our real self is spirit. And that is the journey, actually. Contact with our higher self, our real self. That's the journey all life is making uh, back all the way through to the absolute itself. Thanks very much, Richard. I um, got another one here, which I think we could finish, which which is um, somebody who, and this is something that people may even feel if they begin to practice uh, the kind of thing that Mike uh, Mark led us in today. He says, um, because when I th- think about uh, discovering those great dormant powers within ourselves, I think this what this person describes is is exactly one of those things. They say, mm. I've just recently been introduced to the practice of the 12 blessings, have been doing this daily practice for the past week and cannot thank you enough. I'm truly humbled and honored to be of service to humanity in this way. And in return, I, I also am feeling the blessings. When I raise my hands, I can feel the energy pulsating through the palm of my hands and a sense of peace that comes over me. I look forward to continuing with this practice. Beautiful, beautiful, mm. and absolutely in tune with what we heard today. In fact, I can't think of a really a finer way to start to delve deep within ourselves and discover the great dormant powers which are latent there, to quote Mars said six, than by practicing the 12 blessings, because that practice is not only uh, a way to advance ourselves, and that's not the main reason to do it, it's also a fan. A the most fantastic, if not the best way through prayer that we can serve others in these days. I think that combined with mantra uh, are, the, are the finest ways, but especially the 12 blessings, because it's it's reaching out through the cosmos to the highest beings. And I, as I just mentioned, the absolute itself in the 12th blessing. So that's interesting. And also, you know, you can check out 
the the methods that we've been discussing today for overcoming fear and there's two main ones that we've focused on and you can check them out and uh, see whether they work for you well i have to move on because that brings us to the end of our show i want to thank darren again thank lisa rossa thank mark bennett service is the jewel in the rock of attainment (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.